I'd like to take a bit further um, the teaching I gave this morning on um, on Vipassana and working uh, uh, or be, being mindful of uh, internal experiences and seeing how they arise and pass away. Um, and then I, I'm going to go on to something else as well in the talk. Um, but uh, I think that this this little tool um, called uh, RAIN, R-A-I-N, which was um, first taught by Michelle McDonald. Some, some of you have practiced with Michelle here and in other places. And, uh, and also it was... Uh, it's been developed by other teachers as well, um, Diana Winston and Tara Brock. And it's a very useful uh, guide for working with uh, intense and difficult emotions. Um, and this, uh, uh, I've 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 worked with it a lot myself um, when I first. Uh, heard the teaching, I found it really very, very helpful. And um, and it's especially, I find, we can use it in our daily life, we can use it in sitting practices, in sitting practice and we can use it in, in daily life. Um, I, I find it quite uh, effective and powerful to use in the supported environment of, of being on retreat. <clears throat> So these, um, the, the acronym RAIN stands for Recognize, Accept, Investigate, and Non-Identify. And so, um, so, so we're sitting in meditation and, um, and we're feeling the body, feeling the breath, and um, and we and then there arises some pattern of thinking, and we recognize that uh, this whole the whole emotional underpinning of of this little scene or scenario that has jumped up into our mind is uh, jealousy. <clears throat> So jealousy is um, it's a painful emotion. It's, it's quite painful. It's it's uh, combines desire, grasping, you know, also uh, anger, hating, resentment, you know, uh, different gradations of that, uh, and. Um, uh, Compare, comparing mind, um, self-judgment often. So, so it's it's a complex little nest of um, afflictive emotions, and and it comes up. And so, if we're mindful, if there's mindfulness present, then it's recognized. 
So I, I remember at some point in my, um, you know, some years ago, uh, um, there was a pattern of jealousy that would arise in my mind whenever I would read something by somebody who said that they had studied with my first teacher, um, who was a very wonderful teacher, but I didn't stay with him. I didn't stay with this teacher. And, uh, and so then, you know, I felt regret for that for a long time. Um, and then when I would read, oh, you know, so-and-so, and, you know, in their little bio, you know, they practiced with this teacher, and then this, this would arise. And then, of course, well, not of course, but this mind, uh, or that mind that was then, <laughs> uh, would slam the door on the jealousy, you know, not allowed, that's bad. Uh, and um, and at, at a moment, uh, you know, after many, many times of slamming the door in the face of jealousy, there was a moment of recognition. Oh, jealousy. And so it's... Um, it's that roomy expression, you know, uh, open the door and welcome it in, you know, because it is, it is so liberating to recognize and open the door. And so that recognizing and opening the door kind of moves into the A, accept. So the recognition and acceptance and acceptance, this, you know, this is kind of a, an illustration <coughs> of how intrinsic acceptance is in mindfulness. You know, that, that it's, it's not just knowing, but it's opening to, it's accepting. Opening the heart and accepting this is present. <clears throat> And so, acceptance is really an openness to uh, to the reality that this too, you know, I am, I am this too. This too is part of not my essential I, but you know, it's part of my makeup. It's part of the personality, the experience, the body mind, you know psyche um, so and for me that's that's what love is you know it's the connection the opening the acceptance so so you know that that's how I understand that mindfulness and and meta mindfulness and loving kindness are really they're not two different things they're they're really you know, very much uh, of a piece. So, so the recognition is having enough presence not to react, push it away, or 
or, or be driven by it. Being driven by something, being pushed around by it, is another way of not seeing it, not, not recognizing it. So if, if the jealousy comes up and, and the mind immediately starts going into a story about, you know, um, I was so stupid or that person, you know, doesn't deserve that teacher or whatever stupid story the mind will make up, uh, then um, that's also not recognizing. It's just being at the effect of the, uh, the emotion. So recognizing and then accepting. Accepting um, is an act of courage. It's an act of courage. You know, in, in some traditions, somebody was uh, mentioning uh, the Shambhala tradition, and they talk about the warrior. You know, that courageous act of, of opening to what is presenting itself, that's, that's the, the real warrior. Um, uh, that's the, the brave soul. And, and so when we open, then we bring our interest to it. So what is this? So I've welcomed you into my home. Who are you? <laughs> what are you? And um, so that, that interest, that investigation, uh, and, it's, and, and this rain is really um, so effective for working in the body. So, so investigating it especially on the level of the body, the energy in the body. So, so that jealousy, you know, how is it being felt? You know, I feel my heart is tight. I feel my jaw is clenched. I feel a kind of a, a dropping down, a heaviness. You know, I'm just making this up. I don't know what, how jealousy would manifest, you know, in you or, you know, maybe, maybe it feels like there's just energy charging out of my arms, you know, and my heart, uh, or, or maybe it feels, you know, like clouded over. But we find out, what is it? You know, what is this? And so that really, the investigation, the investigation brings us into insight. Because when we're mindfully investigating what's happening in the body, you know, when, when we're encountering jealousy or, or anger or grasping or, or judgment, um, or fear. We're looking into the nature. What is the nature of that? You know, what is the particular characteristic of it? And what is its nature? And we will discover that its nature is impermanent. We will discover that its nature is is um, 
unsatisfactoriness or suffering or or unreliability you know that it's it's not solid it's you know it may be in itself it may be in actually really painful and or it may not be painful it may it may but it may uh, it's unreliable in the sense that it is impermanent it's changing it's it's not solid uh, usually you know afflictive emotions are suffering uh, they're painful and uh, and then it is also selfless it's not happening I didn't ask to be jealous I didn't you know I didn't want to be jealous it's just it's just happening you know it comes up because of causes and conditions I'm not in control of that it's not and it's not intrinsically who I am it's a passing it's a passing cloud it's a passing experience it's moving through um, awareness So, so that, so what I've just been talking about is the N, the non-identification, or it's, it's not who I am, uh, it's not self, it's, it's, it's not, um, uh, it doesn't, there wasn't a self that made it happen, and it's not, it doesn't define who I am either. So in those ways, it's not self. So, so it's not my identity. So, um, So this, this, yeah, does anybody have any, is there anything that's unclear about this? Any, anybody feeling that this is, um... I get rid of it. It's all fine and dandy, and I hear what you're saying, but at the end of the day, it's, how do you get rid of it? How do you, I know it's not, but it's still stuck there. (laughs) (laughs) You breathe, you go back to breathing, all that, it comes back, and it's just, it's just... Okay. No, this is a great question. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, people are laughing because they're identifying with what you're saying. And and the, but there is, there also is an essential paradox there, because uh, we, the courageous part about you know opening to this and investigating it is that we do it. To, to really understand what it is and not with the aim of I need to get rid of this because it's painful. What happens is that um, because we see that it, it moves through us when we, when we bring that investigation, you know, without identification, we bring that investigation to it and we see that it is, uh, it's, it's moving through us, it's, it's arising, it's passing away. Remember I talked about, we see that it's not solid, that there are spaces, and eventually it diminishes, you know, and maybe it 
goes away for a time, but even if it comes back, when we see that it's not intrinsically who we are, when we see that we have the capacity to be with it, we we have a different, it changes our relationship with that afflictive emotion. So, so we think, okay, I know jealousy. I know this jealousy. Um, I know this anger. You know, I know this fear. And, and I know it, you know, I've experienced it many times and I know it may come back. I know it's not who I am. I know that there is a space of mindfulness within which this can be known and that it's not going to overpower me. So it subtly and over time quite dramatically can change our relationship with an afflict- a habitual afflictive emotion. When we say, I've got to get rid of this, I've got to get rid of this jealousy, I've got to get rid of this anger, this is so painful, you know, um, you know, let me, let me focus on the breath. You know, it do, that doesn't actually cut at the root of the affliction, afflictive emotion. <clears throat> it may calm our mind a little bit, but it doesn't, when we see through the root of the afflictive emotion, when we see that this jealousy is, it's not self, and it, it's impermanent. It will flow through me if I don't hold on to it. But what we resist persists. You've had you heard that expression? What we resist persists because by resisting it, we have to hold on to it. When we push it away, we're holding on to it. But when we just open and, you know, allow it to move through us and say, okay, you know, here's the, there's, my throat is tight. Uh, I mean, we might not say these words, we probably wouldn't, but we're just noticing the tightness of the throat, the, the aching of the heart, the clenching of the stomach, and then just being with that, breathing in that, and giving space for that, and then it's like, you know, one of the things I love about the prairies is that you can see a storm coming and, and then you see it going. So it's like you see a storm coming in, you know, and the sky is getting dark. And then the storm is there, you know, and it's thundering and lightning and... and and, and, and the temperature drops 10 degrees and, and there's all kinds of winds and you're feeling buffeted, you know, but, you know, you're... One of the things I used to like to do when I was a kid was stand on my porch and, and watch lightning storms come and go. And, and then you see, okay, it's, you know, it's moving on. It's moving on. And then, you know, then the, it stops, the air has changed, it's different. And so you get to know that, you know, storms come and go and you get to know in the same way that these afflictive emotional states um, there's a teacher uh, 
uh, Christina Feldman, she calls them mind storms. <laughs> and the mind storms come and go too. And so we learn this stability. We develop this capacity for stability. And, and the non-identification with these states, you know, we recognize, you know, so we were talking about karma. Well, these, these habits of mind come from previous causes and conditions. You know, and it's not to blame ourselves or say, well, you know, you know, I made bad choices in my life and that's why I'm, you know. It's just the way life unfolded, you know, that, okay, so there are these habits of mind. These habits developed out of causes and conditions. And when we bring the causes and conditions, or sometimes it's called the medicine of Dharma practice, when we bring the medicine of Dharma practice to... to uh, to, to these uh, manifestations, these patterns, you know, they too will change. So, you know, there are patterns that were very powerful in my, in my mind, you know, at certain times in my life, and they just don't show up anymore. And then there are other patterns that, you know, were very powerful and they show up as, you know, kind of a almost like a, a little ghost, you know. And then there are other patterns that still have some punch, <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I feel it. It's, you know, and, but I know it. I know them. So, so I just, you know, I'm, I'm raining on the inside. <laughs> and, uh, so the the it's Dalai, passing. Uh-huh. it's passing. It's passing. Mm-hmm. It's passing. <laughs> yeah. The Dalai Lama was once asked by, um, and he he gave a a presentation to to um, a, a number of Dharma teachers in the West, and uh, and so you know he invited any questions at all about teaching about practice, and. Um, and he was asked, um, you know, do you still experience afflictive emotions? And he said, oh, yes. He said, but I'm not fooled by them. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, is is equanimity and you know I brought it up uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit because it is a development of the mind that happens in Dharma practice mindfulness is the first of the enlightenment factors and equanimity is the final equanimity uh, enlightenment factor it's it's um, it's a development of all the others, and and when you know in this this um, retreat is called presence with body, uh, finding stability, ease, and freedom, and those words to me um, have the uh, the resonance of equanimity. 
So equanimity is a development of the mind that comes, you know, uh, in a large part through developing this um, this wisdom of knowing that everything is impermanent and everything is there's nothing that can be held on to and and that you know there is a, a, a no, the non-self of um, of just life is arising from many many causes and conditions beyond our capacity to understand so um, equanimity also comes from the cultivation of virtue, uh, non-harming, which we talked about. So when when we uh, when we are clear in our commitment to um, to to live in a way that is non-harming as much as we can, and and there's this you know. Every time we breathe in, every time we we walk, of course, you know we're crushing insects. We're we're breathing in and out. So, one there's there's a sense of balance in that. We, um, but but that without intending to cause harm, um, there that also is a is an important source of equanimity. But. Um, but I want to talk about equanimity as um, as a an outgrowth of of insight practice. So um, so equanimity has this quality of of non resistance to our experience, uh, an openness and acceptance that life is unfolding. So it doesn't mean that we are passive. It doesn't mean that we don't respond. But in order to respond, we have to accept that things are as they are. And, um, and so equanimity is, is opening to the truth of how things are and um, accepting that things are as they are. And in fact, when we do the equanimity practice, a guided meditation, all of the four Brahmapaharas have have uh, different kind of practices to them, just like we did the metta practice last night, loving kindness. Well, equanimity is also one of those, and um, and one of the phrases that we say is, "Things are as they are." The um, you know, we know that we're not in control of, we can't fix somebody else's problem, we can't take away somebody else's pain, this compa- as much compassion as we may feel, we can't make somebody, you know, not have cancer who is who has cancer, uh, or we can't make somebody not be addicted who is addicted so the expression of equanimity that we've been chanting in the morning uh, is 
When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherit its result. So somebody was asking about karma. So this is, you know, all beings are the owners when they act upon intention. So intention. All beings are the owners of their action and inherit its result. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action, and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or harmful, of such acts they will be the heirs. So of such acts we will be the heirs. So all our actions with intention, of such acts we will be the heirs. So, so, you know, what are we cultivating? Um, what have we cultivated in our lives? And what are we cultivating now? Um, so, um, so with equanimity, you know, we, we welcome what is. This is how life is in this moment. And then how will I respond? Um, so, so this is, you know, this is directly coming out of our mindfulness practice in which we, you know, we welcome any mind state as it is. And, um, and we, we want to know what it is. We want to investigate it. We want to see its nature. And in, in equanimity, there is this quality of um, that there's a spaciousness in which we can welcome life as it is. And um, with non-reactivity. So equanimity has this quality of non-reactivity, that uh, it's receptive and it's non-reactive. The Buddha said equanimity is abundant, exalted, and immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. And Ajahn Tanisaro says that equanimity is an attitude of even-mindedness in the face of every sort of sort of experience, regardless of whether pleasure and pain are present or not. And another way of describing equanimity is unshakable balance of mind rooted in insight into the nature of experience. So equanimity is is often is often talked about with regard to what are called the the vicissitudes of life. So you know the the Buddha talked about um, uh, you know the, that you know in life we experience gain and loss. You know these are not in our control. Uh, we experience pain and pleasure. We experience um, fame, perhaps 15 minutes or maybe longer, 
and and we also can experience, um, you know, nobody knows who we are, <laughs> like non-recognition. So you know, have you ever worked your butt off to do a good job at something, and nobody even acknowledged what you did? That's just how sometimes it unfolds. Um, so. Uh, success and failure you know all, all of these all of these uh, vicissitudes of life um, when we understand that you know fame does not necessarily bring happiness and nor can we hold on to it uh, gain does not necessarily bring happiness and nor can we hold on to it pleasure you know, might might be happy for, you know, you get a little hit, but you certainly can't hold on to it. Um, when we really understand that, and that also that pain, you know, we might not, we might not like it, but we can be with it. We have the capacity to be with it. You know, that that is an equanimous mind that knows that it can hold all the vicissitudes of life. Uh, another thing that one can say about equanimity is it's not a thought or an emotion, but it's rather the steady conscious realization of life's transience. it for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.